Welcome to Counterthought, a podcast conserving America's freedom, culture, and values. This is Brian Kletter, the creator and host of the podcast. You can engage with the podcast on Instagram at counter underscore thought or at Counterthought CEO and on our Facebook page, Counterthought Podcast. For audio versions of the podcast, you can find us on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, and more. And for video versions of the podcast, join us on YouTube at the Counterthought channel. Let's go. First off, this was not the feel of a State of the Union speech. There wasn't much talk about the state of the actual union. And this was the same going back to his uh, speech last year, which I did an episode about that, you know, one year ago. And the reason why that's the case, at least with President Biden, is because there's not a whole lot to to brag about. Anything that he brags about is pretty much like a figment of the imagination, of his, his imagination, of the imagination of the Democrat Party and the progressives and the liberals and the radicals and everything else. Tonight's speech, you could feel it, you could sense it, was the start of his 2024 campaign. And if you listen closely, one of the lines that he continued to repeat was, finish the job. And I guarantee you that is going to be his campaign slogan for 2024. It'll be, you know, Biden-Harris or Biden, insert VP name here, finish the job. Finish the job. He repeated that over and over and over. And heading into the State of the Union, as you all know, I'm not a fan of of Biden or <clears throat> or the Democrat Party and things like that. So I had posted a couple polls on Twitter because I'm trying to get more active on, on Twitter and everything. I was like, okay, how many, and Instagram also, right? A couple of polls there, but I was like, okay, how many lies is Biden going to say within his State of the Union speech? One poll, I was like over under 50, another poll, you know, over under 25. And then as I was scrolling through Twitter this morning, you know, day of the speech, I came across the gym from the White House, his White House account, which was no surprise to me, but it was filled with, you know, misinformation uh, to deceive the American people and to uh, spin his quote unquote accomplishments, (laughs) spin it so fast that it would make your neck hurt. Listen to this. The record-breaking Biden economy. Increase two strongest calendar years of job growth in history. Well, Joe, we know the job growth is a result of the jobs coming back from COVID, right? From pre-COVID. The Bureau of Labor Statistics actually released a graphic recently that shows the trajectory of where jobs were going if there wasn't the pandemic. And then, you know, what took place with the jobs dropping off a cliff, the sharp V return, a little bit of kind of uh, slow, stagnant growth. And then I think sometime within this past year, the jobs met where they were pre-COVID, pre-pandemic. But then the graph continues and says, okay, well, in the future, if the pandemic didn't occur, we would be here at this level. However, our job growth is still below at this level. And that gap there are the jobs that Biden is saying he created, that his administration created, but as a matter of fact, did not. Also in this tweet earlier today, touted the manufacturing rebounded at the fastest rate in nearly 40 years, the lowest unemployment rate in 50 years, 
the employment rate is skewed because of the number of participants in the labor force. An increase, two strongest years of small business applications in history. I can't speak too much about that. I do wonder, however, though, if some of those small business applications are due to the fact that numerous businesses had to close down during the pandemic and now they're reapplying as a small business, um, you know, three years after the shutdown. A record decrease in the deficit touts all the time how they are decreasing the deficit when really it's just spending less of a deficit, but we're still in a deficit nonetheless. Also, fast this one. <laughs> these next two, <clears throat> these next two, I, I, they do. The Biden administration tweets this all the time, and I, I feel so bad for the people who believe this. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It says more about our country than I think about his administration. But the last two were fastest gas price decline in eight years. Well, that's great, Joe. After in the summer of 2021, you allowed the gas prices to jump up to about 440 or 4, 450 per gallon nationwide. Congratulations on having the sharpest decline. I think now the national average is around 330 or so. It's about 345 here in Orlando. Now it's kind of ticked back up again. And then the last one, annual inflation, annual inflation down for six months. All right, Joe, but inflation got above 7% in December of 2021, stayed above 7%, I believe all the way through September of 2022 hit above eight and I think May, June, and July of 2022. And now it's down after it already spiked. After it spiked for over 5% or 6%, I believe from about 16 months or so and eight or nine months of above 7%. And then you want to try to brag that now inflation is down to more around 6%, which is still more than wage growth, wage growth of 4%, yet inflation 6%. So actually your wage growth is negative 2%. So, you know, make this make sense. But again, the spin on on that tweet earlier today, that infographic from the White House account would so hard it would make your neck hurt. But back to the State of the Union. Again, I did a reaction to the State of the Union last year. Go back and watch that. Best guesstimates, it's going to be somewhere around um, episode 30, 35 to 40, somewhere around in there. But this one, this was the 2024 campaign speech. There is not enough to brag about without lying for the Biden administration to go back and say, hey, here's the current state of our union. Here's a look back from the, pre uh, the previous year. This is where we stand. Most of what he talked about in this speech was looking forward. Can't blame him. That's what politicians are supposed to do. But this was not a state of the union. This was the start of the 2024 campaign with the tagline, finish the job. Spoke primarily again about the future and the goals instead of the current state of America. And what the current state of America is, is that Americans are frustrated. There were multiple polls released this week saying that, you know, Americans are dissatisfied with the job that his administration is doing, that they are, you know, feeling the pain of continuing to feel the pain of inflation, that they would prefer someone else run instead of him for 2024. And not just, you know, like Republicans and independents, but we're talking majority Democrats are saying these things as well. He didn't mention inflation. You know, I just went through the whole percentage, the timeline of inflation, how high, how long it's been above 6%, 7%, 8% over the last year and a half. 
the false wage growth, false job growth. And it was a very union heavy speech, you know, talked about manufacturing, which, you know, stealing from Trump, make America great again is manufacturing here in America. That was one of Trump's goals. And then the Biden administration has just rebranded it as made in America, um, but very heavy with the unions. And there's a reason for that. That's because the unions, you know, are heavy Democrat. They endorse Democrats year after year after year, time and time again. So it's this relationship of almost like a quick quid pro quo, a, you know, I'll give you this, you give me that. You, you um, endorse me and I will make sure that you get the money you need for your labor union and we'll just keep that relationship going. It's, it's pretty messy, pretty dirty, um, but also pretty also done very out in the open, um, but very union heavy manufacturing teachers. We'll get to teachers here in a second. Um, increasing wages, which I believe there does need to be an increase. And that's one of the things DeSantis has done here in Florida is increasing the starting pay for teachers. I believe it used to be around 20,000 or something like that about 25 years ago, 25,000. And then now it's up to in Florida, I believe the average or the starting point for the state. Not sure if it's bachelor's or master's degree, but is I think ticked around 45,000 to 48,000 or so. So it's improving, not not the best, but it is improving. And education is key, but you know the way we can go about getting a quality education for our children, whether you know not even making up for the missed education during the pandemic, but one of the things that we could do for increasing our education. There's school choice and other options available out there. So the unions, they the teachers unions, they got their money, and there's a lot of questions about how it was actually spent because they were given billions. During the speech, uh, no mention of the southern border. I mean, glaring, high beam, flashing lights, like red flag, no mention of the southern border. Why? Or no mentions of the problem at the southern border. Why? Because he doesn't want to bring any um, any attention to it. He hasn't even visited the southern border. He got what? Well, so he visited the cleaned up version of the southern border. Kamala Harris, or VP, got you know within El Paso distance of the southern border, but not actually to the border, not actually to a site. It was just a, um, a whitewashed view of the border. But he talked about, you know, past the Biden plan. I, he's like, I released this plan, released this plan for immigration reform and getting more money and more agents down there on the border to stop the number of migrants coming across our border. Hmm. You mean to slow down the two and a half million per year that's being averaged, the over 200,000, you know, per month that's being averaged, regardless of the season, you know, are still averaging about 200,000 per month, even in the winter time. I mean, it's ridiculous. People coming in across our border from over a hundred different countries, I think about 150 different countries around the world, you know, terrorist watch list individuals coming across our border, thousands and thousands and thousands of tons of fentanyl coming across our Southern border and other drugs, not to mention the gotaways. And he bragged about the seizure statistics of saying like, oh, you know, we've seized this much fentanyl, this much illegal drugs, you know, this many, um, this many people we've detained, blah, blah, blah. And Mayorkas, anytime he's asked, which he needs to be impeached, but he says like, oh yeah, the Southern border, or, you know, Karine Jean-Pierre, the White House spokesperson says, oh, well, any problems with the Southern border are go back to the Trump administration. Uh, you mean the Trump administration, which had immigration 
lower than 2.5 million people. You know, the lowest has been, and I believe it was a couple of decades or so. So how did it go from lower to now worse? Despite the fact that you actually, you know, um, got rid of the Mexico-U.S. agreement to keep um, individuals who are trying to cross our southern border in Mexico until it's their time to, you know, their turn in line, so to speak. And, and he got no applause, right? I mean, it's barely a Republican majority in the Congress, but he got no applause when bragging about these different seizure, uh, seizure statistics at the border and just talking about the border in general. I mean, this administration is a joke. They will gaslight you all day, every day about the southern border, about how it is secure. When it's not, we know it's not. There's a video of people just basically walking across literally our border and claiming asylum. And asylum doesn't mean like you get to go country shop. People who are coming from Central and South America, you're supposed to seek asylum if your life is truly in danger at the next country. But they're crossing three, four, five, you know, six different countries to get to our southern border. So that is not truly seeking asylum. Biden also, when it came to law and order, he talked about there needs to be better training for our police departments. Okay, great. But he, you know, didn't denounce any of the radical district attorneys or bail reform or anything that is leading to these individuals to be um, the recidivism rate. And these individuals who are going out and committing heinous crimes or beating someone who's just walking along the sidewalk or standing on the subway platform, going up and just beating someone over the head, shooting someone, stealing from them, all of these different things, didn't denounce any of these types of policies that just allows those individuals to then get out of, of jail within just a few hours and less than 24 hours. Just talked about need better training. And then... He went on and gave this little sad story, which anytime there's a death, it is sad. But he gave a sad story about a fentanyl-related death. And he was he was shouted down by the Republicans in Congress. They yelled, close the border. And you know, it's like you just waited for them to kind of kind of settle down and everything, but you know, close the border, close the border, which is exactly right. Don't give us this fentanyl sad story. When we know thousands and thousands of pounds of fentanyl are coming across our border, overdoses in America are hit 100,000 last year. And there could be so many things done at the border to actually slow down this flow of narcotics coming across our border. But nothing is being done to do that. So don't give us this crap about a sad story of fentanyl, which rest in peace to that, to that child and all of the children and individuals, adults included, who have died from fentanyl-laced drugs, have overdosed because of it. But don't sit here and try to you know, pull on our heartstrings by telling us a story of an overdose death due to fentanyl when you yourself and your administration are doing absolutely nothing to stop the flow of fentanyl. He also talked about the mental health for children. Talked about how children need more access to mental health. Yet, he doesn't accept any accountability for the increase in mental health diagnoses, mental health issues due to school shutdowns. You got governors across the country. I saw one related to um, Michigan, uh, blanking on her last name, 
Um, but I call her crazy eyes because you know she she's got crazy eyes. Um, but basically saying the same thing, like, oh, we need more, we need more for our students. We need more mental health availability for for our students and everything. Um, well, where where was where was this same fire, the same passion, you know, about this, this support for mental health, championing mental health for children whenever you were keeping schools closed for a year to two years longer than they needed to be. And then he also talked about mental health, how blaming it on big tech and their data collection, talking about how they're exploiting children and how they have targeted ads to um, sexualize children and exploit them and make them think that they're not good enough and all these different things, which that can be true. But you want to call out big tech and, you know, put your hand on the scale and threaten them basically. Meanwhile, you are also your administration and those in the deep state and everywhere else are putting their thumb on the scale through these Twitter files as I've had a couple of episodes about that, go back and watch them. They're just, you know, within like the last five episodes or so about, you know, censoring people's speech. That is a dissenting opinion from yours and your administration. Also utilizing, um, not speaking up and speaking out against those who want to have make it okay for children, minors to go get uh, sex change surgeries, gender affirming care, as they call it. I mean, gender affirming care, go back to last year. I think it was around, March of last year, maybe uh, late spring, early summer. But the White House had a whole little press conference out there, I think somewhere near the Rose Garden or something like that at the White House, talking about how it is now the official stance of the Biden administration to have gender-affirming care for minors, which is just sex change surgeries for minors, um, hormone therapies and things like that for minors. Yet you want to talk about the mental health of children, but you don't want to address the mental health of the children that are involved in wanting to have, you know, go from a boy to a girl or a girl to a boy. It's ridiculous. Biden also then went on to talk about towards the end of his speech, support for veterans. All for support for veterans. That's something we can all get behind, right? A little rally. Everyone applauded listening because, you know, we love our, love our vets. We wouldn't have a, country if it wasn't for for them but he hit us specifically on how vet, <clears throat> on how veterans need more money need more money but yet the southern border is costing us hundreds of billions of dollars per year during your administration again with the 2.5 million people on average coming across our southern border each year hundreds of billions of dollars going to them meanwhile our veterans could also use that money our veterans could also use some of the jobs or a lot of the jobs that those illegal immigrants are taking by crossing the southern border illegally. Mention the suicide death rate for veterans, which is, he said, is 17 suicides per day, which is heartbreaking and gut-wrenching for those individuals who never were able to fully integrate back into society after serving and protecting our country. And again, billions, though, however, are going to support those who don't even have a valid reason to be in our country and are just gaming the system when it comes to immigration at the southern border. And he finished his speech with this. He went through this list of this checklist, he called it. And Biden finished the speech with the state of the union is strong, you know, very convincingly went through, gave it like a grade, check, check, check. I think it was about three different items that he listed off. 
you know, said the state of the union is strong. So, you know, he starts the speech with a lie, ends the speech with a lie. Americans are telling you that the state of the union is not fine. However, a lot of those <laughs> same individuals then also are voting for you. So I don't, I, I can't make that make sense, but you know, whatever. But to say the state of the union is strong, again, while democracy is under attack, you know, they got the Chinese spy balloon. However, he wants to only talk about January 6th. The southern border is wide open. You vilified Trump supporters last year with your um, uplighting. I think it was in Philadelphia and the red lights behind you and um, the two Marines flanking you in that picture with your angry face and your angry eyes and everything else talking about ultra MAGA China again spies a or flies a plane across or not a plane but a balloon across our country we are beholden to foreign countries for oil because you killed our own keystone pipeline your first day in the job you want to make abortion or make abortion legal for everyone and more than half of Americans want abortion to be legal and freaked out with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, even though it just went back to the states. And now the states can control it. And you say the union is strong, even though the Biden administration, your administration, Mr. President, supports sex change surgery for minors. The state of our union is not strong. The state of our union is dealing with serious demonic influences in this country. Leaders who are more about press clippings than getting things done. Leaders who are more about lying to your face in hopes that you won't call them on it and that you will just believe what you see so that they can stay in power. I mean, we are, we are not advocating for the best for America. Can say that he, he can say that he is in his speech, in his State of the Union speech, but I just ran down this whole list. Like there are numerous issues in this country, everything ranging from the individual to, you know, wages to mental health, to protecting our children, to protecting our veterans, to making, to protecting America with supply chain, to protecting America with, you know, cost of living and inflation and all of these things to protecting America from bad foreign actors who evidently can just, you know, drop a balloon and allow it to traverse our country for four, five, six days. And we do nothing about it. There's no, no penalty for China. No penalty has been announced. Nothing like that. The state of our union is not fine. There are then cultural issues. Like we're not even getting to all the cultural issues that are currently going on in this country. Go back and look at some of the other uh, episodes that I've done addressing some of these cultural issues, the morals of America that are, you know, we got one group or a group of people who are trying to hold on to it, <clears throat> trying to make it part of the platform. You know, the Republicans are trying to um, hold on to conservative principles, conservative values, biblical values within the platform. Meanwhile, the Democrat Party, the Democrat Party is not there, even though they will insert phrases like, you know, God willing, God bless America, God rest their soul. Um, you know, things like that, that we're made in God's image. Biden mentioned that tonight. 
However, he's, I mean, I'm not going to judge his faith, but there are things that he supports that are not, not in line with the Christian faith. But yet he, you know, you know, he just, they just skate by on that and, and everything else. But he ended the speech saying that the state of the union is strong, you know, rubber stamp that. But the state of our union, again, is not strong. And we, the American people, you and me, we need to hold our leaders, leaders in quotation marks, I guess we should say, hold our representatives because not all representatives are our leaders. But hold the elected officials that we put into power, that we put into power to represent us, we need to hold them accountable. Hold them accountable all the way from your local elections to your state elections to the federal elections. Hold them accountable and make your voice heard because the State of the Union, in my opinion, is not fine. And again, this this speech tonight, it was about an hour and a half long, I believe was not about the current state of our union because the state of the union is not fine. It was about launching his campaign for 2024 by saying that we just need to, quote, finish the job. Thank you for listening to Counterthought, a podcast conserving America's freedom, culture, and values. Remember to subscribe and like or rate the podcast on your podcast app or on YouTube. And engage with the podcast on Instagram at counter underscore thought at counterthought CEO or on Facebook at counterthought podcast.